Good morning. Uh, Pastor Joe and his family are traveling up to camp to drop the boys off, and so I get the privilege and honor this morning to share God's word with you. Uh, and so I always have this fear every morning when I have to preach and I walk up here that somehow my notes have disappeared <laughs> and that I will have to preach just from memory, and I don't have a good one of those. Uh, but I, I just want to share. Uh, before we get started, I would like to just say to all of you that I'm very grateful uh, for what God has allowed us to be part of, my family and I, uh, part of this church, and I'm so glad that you guys have been family to us um, over the past five years. It's been an honor to walk be beside you, to, to serve you, with you, to serve with your students, uh, and to enjoy what we've done here. Uh, and so I hope that as we continue to serve the kingdom of God, well, no matter how far apart we are. Uh, you can just think of it this way. You guys have an opportunity to share in whatever happens in Red Oak because you had a sharing in what happened in my life. And so I, I thank you for that. So with that being said, if you would join me this morning in prayer as we honor God as we study his word together. Uh, Heavenly Father, I thank you uh, for this morning this beautiful morning, an opportunity for us as a church to gather together to celebrate your word, to gather together later today to celebrate your creation. And so, Father, I pray as we continue on in the book of Proverbs that you would allow us to see what wisdom is and what it reflects like in our lives. And so, Father, allow the things that we are thinking about and worrying about to be laid aside or at the foot of the cross and given to you and allow this to be an opportunity to hear your word together. Father, I pray that these be not my words, but that you would speak through me, that as we study your word together this morning, that it is an act of worship and honor to you, that it may be glorifying in the way we receive it and take it from here. And so, Father, I thank you. I thank you for all that you do in this church and all that you do with the people here and all that you allow us to be part of in your mercy and grace. And Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I've really enjoyed uh, diving into the book of Proverbs over the past couple of weeks as I've prepared for this sermon. And the reason I've enjoyed it so much is because I've read through Proverbs I don't know how many times and I've taught what the book is about several times, but I've never just jumped into Proverbs and thought about teaching through the Word of God through this book. And, and, you know, I know about Proverbs, I've read Proverbs, It's sometimes if you have a yearly Bible study, maybe you read a psalm a day and a Proverbs a day throughout the whole year, or maybe you're just doing that anyways, but you get this idea of this book full of wisdom, and as I was studying through it, and I was reading books, and I was reading commentaries, and I was praying, there was something in my heart that clicked that I'd never thought about when I'd read through the book. I don't know how many times that I'd read through Proverbs and thought about the moral and ethical teachings, about how if I lived this wisdom out of my life, life would be well. But then I realized there was something more here. This book is more than I anticipated, and it was kind of an exciting revelation, and I'm going to share that revelation with you in a minute. Uh, but before we get started, we're going to look at chapter 3, verses 13 through 35 this morning. But before we get started, we need to look 
at the very beginning of Proverbs and remind ourselves what the book is all about. So if you would turn to chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and this is what is written. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple knowledge and discretion to the youth. And that this section Solomon writes at the beginning, he prepares our hearts for the entirety of the book. See, it isn't just a guidebook of moral and ethical lifestyles. It's designed to show us God's wisdom for living practically. Now, I want you to focus on this idea of God's wisdom as we talk throughout this morning. See, Solomon wrote this as a, as a king. And we see this very simple reference at the very first verse of the very first chapter. And, and I want you to think about this. This is the proverb of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. This is a kingly guide to wisdom. Solomon could ask God for anything he wanted. Riches, power, to be the greatest king that ever walked the face of this earth. Instead, he asked God for one thing. He said, God, I want your wisdom. He didn't want all of these other things the world had to offer. He wanted God's wisdom. And we see this in the first few verses, that Solomon desired this wisdom to continue on in this line of David. That his sons would pass on this wisdom to their sons, and they would pass this wisdom on to their son, and the kingdom of Israel would be glorified and honor God forever and ever and ever. Now we know that Israel didn't follow God's wisdom. But we can still see the call in this book to seek out wisdom and use it in our lives. A plea. Seek wisdom. Receive instruction. Go after God. The, the reality is, the problem is with this book is that following God's wisdom for a sinful person is just too much. Like, we can look at this and we can read through it and we can say, yeah, that would be smart if I did that. But the reality is, if there isn't some change that happens in our lives, we're never going to listen to the wisdom of God. The wisdom in this book will fall on deaf ears if we don't understand the truth of God's words, not just from Proverbs itself, but from the whole of all of Scripture. And so as we, as we read through Proverbs, we get solid moral and ethical choices. We get decisions that can change our lives and help us to live well. But what is in there and what I began to see as I studied, there is a heart transformation that needs to take place for this wisdom to work. A constant calling to the sons of Israel, the kings, the leadership, to live out this lifestyle that's passed on to us now today to say, if you want to walk in wise ways with God, then there must be some transformation that takes place in your life. And so Solomon tells us to seek wisdom. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning in the second half of chapter 3, is Solomon declares what wisdom is and what you get from seeking it out. But before we get there, I want to share my revelation with you. As I was studying throughout Scripture, I came across several things that I, I, I've read before, but I don't think I ever connected to one another. And I came across 1 Corinthians, and, and Paul says something very interesting about Jesus. He gives him a declaration that we should understand when reading the book of Saul, or Proverbs. 
And he says that Jesus is God's wisdom. And so as we, we, we read through Proverbs and we begin to process what's taking place here, and every time that we're seeing that we need to seek out the wisdom of God and it will bless our life, what, what Solomon, I don't think, understood at that time that we do now looking back is that Solomon was saying for us to seek Jesus. If we want life-transforming wisdom to happen in us, then we have to experience God's wisdom as Solomon was proposing it. Seek Christ first. You know, you read through the Gospels and Christ is called the one greater than Solomon. You read through the Gospels and you hear Proverbs or what the New Testament calls parables. They're the same actual word, parables and Proverbs. And Jesus teaches wisdom and you, some of Jesus' he talks about wisdom and he often refers to it like Solomon does here and he says she, but he refers to it in the authority of the first person and saying, I am wisdom. And it like blew my mind as I began to read through this and I said, whoa, that, that changes Proverbs for me. Like I knew it was God's word and I knew it was important and often I think about it and I go, I need to live this way. This is smart living. And it really is. You can do well to just follow this. If you don't want to follow Jesus, but you want to follow Proverbs, your life will turn out better than if you didn't. But that's not what Solomon was doing, and that's not the intent of God's heart from this book. I think what the intent is that we will always fail as people to follow any wise course of action if Christ isn't the center of what we're doing. And so as we, as we walk through Proverbs this morning, remember this. That Christ himself is the wisdom of God that Solomon is talking about. Now, with that in mind, I want to propose a question to you. This is something I do with the students, all right? So I'm going to have you write something down. Don't write this in your Bible. I know that sometimes we can circle stuff and underline stuff. This is not one of those times, all right? So I have a question for you. I want to write it down. Write it in your notes. Write it on your bulletin, whatever. This is my question to you, and I want you to be honest I really do want you to write this down because I want you to process this because this is something that as I went through this, I had to process. Here's my question to you this morning. I want you to write down honestly what you believe from your heart, the, the, the thing that pops in your head. What is the greatest treasure you have in your life or that you are seeking after? And I'll, I'll add to that as you're thinking through that. What keeps you up at night? in life that you desire to have? What are, you, what are you making your focus? What are you seeking out? What, do you, what is the emphasis of your life? How do you design how you do your day and your week and your month? I want you to write that down real quick. And as you're finished, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious of two things. I'm curious of what you wrote down and Unlike the students, I'm not going to start calling them people. Uh, they have to just answer, so you know I'm not going to make you guys do that. Uh, but I'm curious to hear answers, and I'm curious to want to know if you wrote down exactly what you thought in your head. And I'm curious to wonder how many of you wrote down Christ, if Christ is what you think about when you go to sleep, and Christ is how you master your schedule, and Christ is how you think about how you do life. And if you did write Christ down, I wonder how many of you followed that with a list of other things that are equally as important. My family, my job, my house, my car, my friends, my life. And these things, 
are the center of my life and how I do everything. And I think Solomon tells us something so important that we can miss here that, that is not just talked about here, it is talked about all throughout the New Testament and all throughout Scripture. And we're going to see that as we dive into this this morning. If you would follow along with me, we're just going to read the first 13 through 18 here. We're going to get back to your question in a minute. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than the gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She's a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom. Now, how many of you have ever made a quick choice and went, oops, that, that was a mistake? Uh, maybe you have said something, someone, you were talking to someone and you made a quick remark and you wish you could take it back or you missed an opportunity. You were like, I, need to, I should do this and then it quickly passed you by. And you thought, man, I messed up there. I missed out on something. Or, or maybe it's years down the road, you look back and you say, man, if I was wise at this point, I would have seen that and followed. And I, and I think that's kind of what Solomon is building upon here. He wants us to see this about wisdom, that it's central in everything to our life, that we should seek it out. And if we do, wisdom is greater than health. It provides a happy home. We live a long life. We get to prosper and we get to enjoy things that maybe we never thought. It's better than money. And, and, and it even says it provides riches. Now, it's, it provides riches doesn't mean it gives you all the wealth that you want. It provides riches that enrich your life. And so Solomon is declaring all these great things about wisdom. And he says, but for this to work, wisdom has to be the sole thought on your mind. And he was saying this to his son who was supposed to be king. Right after him, and he was saying, if you want to be a good king, if you want to lead Israel well, you need to put wisdom as your sole focus, and you need to seek it out all the time, and with it become all these great blessings. Now, as we discussed, my revelation was that the wisdom of God is Jesus, and so in order to really think about it in the way I thought about it as I was studying this passage, I'm going to reread this passage to you. Now, this is not the way it was wrote. But this is a good way to process this. I'm going to switch some words for you. There's only one word. I'm only switching wisdom. I want you to listen to this. Blessed is the one who finds Jesus and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from him is better than the gain from silver and his profit better than gold. He is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with him. Long life is in his right hand. And his left hand are riches as honors. His ways are ways of pleasantness. And his paths are peace. He is a tree of life to those who lay a hold of him. Those who hold him fast are called blessed. And we see that over and over and over again in the New Testament when it talks about Jesus. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing with Jesus, we have a life filled with him. With Jesus, we can meet God. With Jesus, we can experience the wisdom of God. And I think what Solomon is writing here is we have to dive into what God is offering. And God has sent wisdom into the world in the form of Jesus. And Jesus has come and he said, if you want true life, I'm the way. 
And so as we read through here, as we read through the entirety book of Proverbs, and we see wisdom speaking into our lives, and we say, yeah, this looks good. This is what I want. And then we see Christ there as well. Now let's go back to your answers. Did you put Christ in something else? Did you equal something to Christ? And I want you to think, I truly want you to imagine this. Did you say Christ in my family? Christ in my home? Christ in my job? And you, and you put those in your life and you said, these are equal to me. I want you to think about that. I know there are times in my life where I've said that something is equal to, in a Christ and, I, and I've paid the consequences of that because I've put something above him or equal to him. And there, Solomon is clear, there is nothing equal to the wisdom of God. Do we declare that we need Jesus and Jesus alone to have this kind of life or do we add all these other expectations? We need Jesus and, and my family to be healthy. We need Jesus and to have a job that pays well. We need Jesus and all of these things to line up in what Solomon is repeating over and over again. If you seek out this wisdom of God, there are going to be all these great blessings that flow through your life. Solomon was wise to understand and tell us that if we seek the wisdom of God, our life will drastically claim, change. And, I, and here's the thing, this is a strong claim. If you have wisdom in your life and you seek it out, life will turn out well. You'll have law. Solomon talks about having a law of life. I, think about that. That's a kind of, it sounds common sense-y, but if you follow the wisdom of doing things that you shouldn't, and you don't do them, then life will live longer. I'll give you an example. Uh, we like to play lots of games in youth ministry, and some of them I know that physically I can't do that. Like we played one time, this is probably a bad example because apparently the kids couldn't do it either, but uh, one time we played slip and slide kickball. Hilarious game, kids had lots of fun, one kid may have broke their arm, it happens. Uh, but I know, I know that I would have broke everything if I played slip and slide kickball. Like that, I, it was... It was wise of me not to step on the slippery, slippery mat, all right? Like, I knew that. That was wisdom in that. And with that wisdom, my life will live longer. I will live longer because I won't break everything and I'll be fine, all right? So I pitched. That was what I did. Uh, and, and so we can have wisdom in our lives and we can do better about life. Life can just be better because we have wisdom and we're making smart choices. But Solomon is talking about wisdom that transforms how we do life and what we do. And if we're transformed by that, we begin to seek Jesus above all else. Now here's the thing. I have to share a little story with you, and maybe this will kind of help you. I think God has been working this out in my life over the past year. Uh, a little over a year ago, I was sitting down with some people, my wife and I, and we were having a conversation, and we were talking about, they, they brought up the question of, when you're done here, what does ministry look like next? And I was like, I don't know. I'm not done here. And, and, and they, they just, we just began to have this conversation. And, and so, you know, there were things in my heart, and I began to list off these things in my heart of, hey, if, I feel like if God sent me somewhere next, these are the things that I would like to do. And so conversation was over. I didn't think anything about it. A month rolled by. My friend calls me. 
uh, my friend is one of the elders at Red Oak, Iowa, and he says, hey, how's church going? I was like, man, it's great. We talked about all these things that were going on in the youth ministry, all these things that were going on in the church, all these things that Jenny and I got to be part of, and that was the end of the conversation. It's a great conversation. He calls me again a few months later, same question, same conversation. Man, life is great. All of these things are going on. We're, we're excited about what God's doing. We're, we're, we're looking forward to what's next in, the, in this process of here. And he calls me a few months later. He says, hey, we're about to start hiring an associate pastor. And I was like, sweet, that's fun. I said, you have questions? And he's like, no, no, I want to know if you're interested. And I said, no. So that was the end of our conversation. So go by another month. And Jenny goes to a wedding in Iowa. I just received a phone call a few weeks before. It was from my friend again. He said, hey, guess what? We've, we've got this guy we're interviewing. We really like him. You know him. So I was just wanted to ask a few questions about him. I was like, man, this guy's great. You should just hire him. You don't have to go through the interview process. Good guy, loves Jesus. He'll serve your church well. Uh, so Jenny is on her way to this wedding, and she gets to this wedding in Iowa, and lo and behold, she runs into our friend who is their candidate for this church. And so they're talking, and, and he shares with Jenny all of these job descriptions of what the job is. The almost literal word-for-word description of what we had talked about months beforehand. And so she gets in the car, and she's processing this, and she's praying about it, and she has you know, six hours to travel back to Chile. And our first conversation, as God had been working on her heart, is, hey, why didn't you apply to this? And I was like, I don't know. I said, I love what I'm doing. I love where God's got us. I, I love what's going on. And she says, yeah, but it's the list. Like, this is the list we talked about months, five months beforehand. And I was like, whoa. And so we started praying about that. And we decided that God said, hey, we want you to send your resume. So we, we had to figure out how to do a resume again. And we, uh, we sent it out. And uh, the, the, our friend was still the candidate that they were looking at. And so I, I wrote in the email and said, hey, we really feel like God is telling us to send this to you. We don't want to get in the way of what you're doing. Just ignore it. All right. And, and we'll move on from there. All right, so Jenny and I were kind of like, we did what God asked, and now we're done. We don't have to worry about it, all right? Uh, so about, I don't know, a month later, I get a phone call, and it's the pastor from Red Oak, and he says, hey, we want to start talking to you. And I was like, oh, okay, and he shared about what happened with the other pastor and, and how it went well, and uh, he just decided that, you know, they, this was not the place for them, and so and we began to have conversations, and I, I, I talked with their elders, and I met with them sometime, and we've talked and talked. And, and here's the thing. This has been a long, long process. I mean, my first conversation with my friend was a little over a year ago now where he was probing me to see if I was interested in coming. And, and so we began walking through this conversation, and the whole time I'm like, man, I amazing things are going on here and I don't want to leave. And so 
we, we just, but we feel, Jenny and I both feel like God is saying to walk through this. And so we're like, maybe we walk through this and God just wanted us to grow in this process and then it'll be over and we'll forget about it. And see, here's the thing. We weren't looking for anything. There's no problems we have with anything here. We were just listening to God. And so it came around to the time where they said, okay, we're going to start calling references. And, I, and Jenny and I were like, oh no, we have to tell people. Uh, and so, so we, we, we were wrestling with that, and we were praying with that, and we were like, we don't want to tell our friends that God is doing stuff and telling us to do stuff, because we don't, we don't want to leave. And so, uh, we, it was a Sunday morning, and we, we realized that tomorrow, the next day, the conversations have to start. Uh, and so, uh, I'm here at church, and Micah's sleeping, so Jenny is coming late, and so she decides to turn on uh, fa- a Facebook live feed of the church that we were at in Iowa, because they live feed their Facebook, and she wanted to do worship with them. Theirs was broke, so she went to the church that we planted while we were in Iowa, helped plant, and she went there, and she their Facebook live feed was working, and lo and behold, the pastor that was speaking that morning was our friend who walked away from the job. And so this is the moment where Jenny's kind of like, God, we need an answer now, and we need clarity because we need to make sure that we're doing the right thing. And so he begins teaching, and she just she misses the first probably five minutes of it, and he gets to the part where he's talking about his journey as he's looking for a job, and he stands there and he says, we went down there and we, we enjoyed Red Oak, we love the people there, we love the ministries they were doing, we love the possibility of the job. But when we drove out of town, my my wife looked at me and said, this isn't what we're supposed to do. And he says, she then said, but I know who's supposed to be there. And so they drive home, they pray about it for a few more days to make sure they're hearing God. And he calls the pastor in Red Oak and he says to him, hey, we're not coming. And the pastor says, hey, that's okay. We're glad to meet you. We're glad we've kind of walked through this process. We're glad that you're listening to God. And then the pastor says, hey, I got a question for you. I got a, I got a name on my desk. And I want to ask you about him. And he goes, hey, well, I got a name for you too. And it was us. And it was like clarity for Jenny. And she came and she was excited and sad. And we were like, hey, God is, God is speaking to us. And, and, we, and we continue to walk through this journey and this is what I realized that I was doing in the midst of this. This is why I think the process took so long. Uh, it was my heart. And, and, and what happened was like a month ago, something clicked in me that I, what I realized was, and I don't want you to take this the wrong way, because it's meant to be an encouragement, not a, not a harmful thing, but I was putting you in this church in our, in our time here equal to God. And I was saying, this is just as important to me. And when I finally kind of like released that and said, God, okay, if this is what you want us to do in our lives, we'll do it. And then just everything fell into place. Like my friend called me and said, hey, I got a house for you. Uh, and, and it just, everything began to line up. And we, what we'd seen is God just had worked through this and God allowed us time to minister well and, and continue to minister well to the students and in this church. And, and what I realized that in my lack of wisdom, I was putting what I was doing here and, and the enjoyment of doing life here with you guys is equivalent with God. And I realized that I was getting in the way of what God was trying to do. 
And there became a point where I finally had released that over to God, and it felt like there was just peace. There was some scariness, because I honestly, Jenny and I talked about it and said, maybe we can just disappear one day. Uh, like, you guys wake up, and you're like, wait, where's Stephen? And Pastor Joe's like, he left yesterday. Uh, <laughs> because we felt like that would be easier. That would be easier. But what we realized is that God was moving in that moment, and and while it was, it's been hard to say, we're going to leave this, I, I remember for the fast, past several months just sitting at youth events and going, I don't get to do this anymore. I don't get to see that kid perform in a play or a musical. I don't see, get to see that kid play a sport. I don't get to, I don't get to do that anymore. And, and there was sadness in there, but there was, when I finally handed it over to God and said, I'm going to seek you above all else, above even my ministry and my family and moving them and all those things, there was this sense of peace. And I think that's why Solomon writes it this way. He says, I want you to seek wisdom above all else. And this is the blessings that come from that. And then in the next few verses, this is what he says. This is 19 and 20. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. It was like he had to pause in the minute of this and say, God, you need to seek God above all else. And if you're unsure of that, guess what? God's in control. He spoke into existence everything and he founded the world with wisdom and he's got it under control. Like it was almost like in the midst of getting, seeing all these blessings and this excitement about what God is doing in your life because of you seeking him. He's like, pause for a minute. Just remember God's got it. God planted this wisdom. He's in control of this wisdom. And, and Scripture just reads that out over and over again. This is, this is what happens. God created the world through Jesus, John chapter 1. And Jesus is the one who upholds the world through his word, Hebrews chapter 1. And all things are united through Christ, Ephesians chapter 1. Like all throughout Scripture, we see God moving in his people and saying, hey, I've got you just Follow me. And there was a moment of me, here's the thing, Chillicothe Bible Church and me being the pastor here has been a good, good thing. For me, hopefully for you, but for me. Like God has allowed me to grow from the students, my family, from you guys, from the elders, and allowed me to grow and learn and, and, and become a, a closer person to Jesus. And yet, there are times, especially when it comes to following Jesus, that he says, I have to cut out good things of your life so that you can grow. And so wisdom is greater and bigger than us. And it seeps into everything in the world and all of creation. And, and in the midst of like trying to figure out how to do life well, Solomon says it right here. It's wise to remember God's got it under control. And that was something that had to hit my heart. Jenny one time said to me in this process, she said, you have to remember that if God is preparing us to move, God is preparing Chile for not having us. And I went, yeah, God is in the midst of this, and, and I have to understand that he's in control. And so Solomon continues on, and he says, this is how important wisdom is. Son, don't let it depart from you. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion 
and they will be and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and you will keep your foot from being caught. See, we, we see wisdom in this book and we see that it was designed to be kingly. If the line of David just continued to follow this wisdom, Israel would have looked a lot different because they would have sought God first and not themselves. And so Solomon is telling his son to remember what wisdom does. Remember what Jesus does. And and he says, wrap it around your neck. Wear it with you every day. Walk with it. Think about it. And apply it to your life over and over again. This is how you do life well. If our life is filled with Christ and we are making life choices based upon His Word, then there's nothing for us to worry about. That's what He's telling us. And He says, you can go home at night and lay down in your pillow and just fall asleep. Now for some of you, that may be really, really hard. But I want you to think about that. He's talking about this peace with Jesus that says no matter what is going on in your life, if you have the wisdom to understand that God is in control and he has blessed you with all this wisdom, that you can go home and you can lay your head down at night and you can go to sleep and not be worried about everything that's going on. And he even talks more about that. I think the idea here is that you go home at bed at night and Maybe there's this worry of these things I've done in my life that people might find out about. He's saying if you avoid that and you seek wisdom, you don't even have to worry about those things because you're not doing them. Maybe you're lying in bed at night thinking, if someone finds out that I did that, I'm going to be in so much trouble. You know, maybe it's a super simple worry like I ate the last piece of cake out of the fridge. Or maybe it's some big sin in your life that you're just keeping away from people and you're like, I don't want anyone to know about this. And Solomon's like, if you're following God, those things won't be a worry because you won't be doing them. Wrap wisdom around your life. Surround yourself with Christ and His Word and see God moving. There's no fear. There's only confidence. And so he he says, I want you to take that confidence I want you to take that understanding of wisdom and I want you to share that with others. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it when you have it. Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. He begins to say, all right, take this wisdom that I have told you about Take all this that God has given to us and planned and built into creation. And when you have figured it out and you're understanding and you're following, you've let Jesus lead your life, go take that to other people that don't get it and share with them and speak with them. But he kind of transitions there into a warning. He already takes it from let God transform your life, take it out to the people, but be careful of your heart. Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. 
Toward the scorners, he is scornful, but to the humble, he gives favor. The wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. And he, he kind of ends with this warning of the world, and he says, you need to gather up all of God's wisdom, and you need to wrap yourself in that, and you need to understand it, because not only do you need to share that with other people, but you need to be weary of the world and its evil. And he gives this very good example that I think sometimes will happen in our lives, and we will see people succeeding. And by succeeding, I'm talking about worldly standards, and we'll see that guy over there, and we'll say, man, he's cheating people, He's stealing money, he's doing this, and yet he seems to be prospering. And I'm over here, and I'm serving God, and I feel beat up, and I feel tore down. I'm like, God, why don't I have that? Like, that guy's doing evil, and, 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 and life seems to be really good for him. And Solomon says to his son, and what God is reminding us here, if we, if we are seeking Christ, we will realize the blessings that God has for us are greater than what those people are pursuing. Long-lasting life, life filled with Jesus, transforming life, eternity with heaven, in heaven with God. We will get and receive all of these things if we have Jesus in our hearts and as we focus on him. And so Solomon is reminding his son, you've got to be wrapping this lifestyle around you and so focused on it that nothing affects you. Like, oh, bad thing happened? I'm going to pray about that. But I can still go on in life. I can still serve and honor God with what I'm doing. Oh, that person over there has got it better than me, and they're doing awful things. I'm going to continue pursuing Jesus and what I'm doing. These are the blessings that Solomon cries out for at the beginning of the section. This is what will come from a life filled with Jesus. Not perfect, not easy, not the most greatest thing you think the world has to offer, but the greatest thing that God has for us. You know, it, it may seem extremely hard. I actually had a conversation this past week about God's goodness. And we, we were discussing, is, is God good all the time? And, and, and kind of this discussion about who, what God is doing and how it is good. And and we came to this point, we were discussing it, and I said, God is good all the time. And when we are seeking God, no matter how, what is going on in our life, if we are fully following God and seeking Him and all that He is doing and everything about our life is seeking Him, we are enjoying God's goodness. And we began to talk about what that meant like. That meant, and, and in my context, it meant I'm enjoying God's goodness by following God to Red Oak. Not that God is leaving here, don't, that is not what I'm saying. God is very much here and very much at work, but I am following God's goodness for me by uprooting my family and taking them there. But then we started, well, that, that, that may seem like hard, but not too hard. And so we started to talk about some other things. There are men and women in the Middle East who are kneeling before a sword who are enjoying God's goodness. Now you might think about that and say, What? They have served God and they've walked in his wisdom and they've honored him and they've experienced him and their life is so full of him that no matter what other people around them say about their life, they are not going to give in. My God is bigger than all of my wants and needs in my life. That includes my family, my job, my friends. 
But when we have God first, all of those things become blessed because God's like, hey, I want you to take all that that I'm teaching you, that you're experiencing through Jesus, all that transformation, and I want you to share that with your friends. And when you do that, you'll be protected from all this evil in the world. But we get to enjoy God's goodness and His wisdom in the midst of following Him. See, I know it's hard sometimes to walk with Jesus. Sometimes we have to think about the future and not what's going on right this second. But I think what Solomon is saying here is as we enjoy God's wisdom, we can see God's goodness in this very second, in this very moment, in this very hardship when we are following and seeking Him. And so no matter if we walk together or we walk six hours apart in the kingdom of God, we get to experience God's goodness and His wisdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, You are a good, good Father. A Father who listens to the prayer of His people. Christ says that if we, if we know Him, then You will answer our prayers. And so, Father, my prayer is that our hearts stir and desire your wisdom filling our lives. That every choice we make, every option we choose, everything will be in the thought process of, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Father, we want to be a people that honor your kingdom here and now. A people so wrapped in Jesus that we share with our neighbors by accident and that we resist evil without even knowing it. We want to be a people that can lay our heads down at night and just fall right to sleep because we are confident that you are working. And so, Father, as we worship together this morning, as we, as we wrap it up with song, God, I pray that our hearts and our minds are thinking about not about all these things that are going on in our lives, but about you and how we can make you more the focus of your life. God, there are things I know that I had to surrender, even in this past year, big things to say that, God, you are bigger than my most important moments. So, Father, help me. Help us as a church. Help us as a community. Help us as a people serving the kingdom of God to serve you well. Father, we thank you for your wisdom. We thank you that you would send Jesus into this world to die on the cross for our sins. To, to rise up and all we have to do is have faith. And so, Father, we thank you that we can enjoy your goodness wherever we're at in life. And so, Father, we just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.